Biopharma engagement with integrated health systems and organized customers has increased in importance as well as complexity. Community prescribers and small group practices continue to affiliate with large integrated delivery networks, health systems, and organized group practices, reducing the influence of the healthcare providers prescribing autonomy. Commercial organizations continue to face a shift in their product portfolios that includes several traditional mass market products approaching loss of exclusivity and the launch of more complex specialty products such as rare disease and cell and gene therapies that require specialty pharmacy engagement. As a result, healthcare customers are expecting a transformation of omnichannel engagement and an understanding of their customers' business and needs. Here to discuss gaining access and delivering pull-through and IDNs and key accounts are Chris Lasanti, Managing Director of Cineos Health Consulting, and Sarah Rubin, VP of Market Access at Spherico, a division of GSW. Chris, Sarah, welcome. Thank glad, you. Glad you could join me here. Um, you uh, are making a presentation to talk about um, engagement with IDNs. And uh, I wanted to, to ask you a few questions about, you know, based, based on your talk, but you know, as a way to just get into the whole conversation. Um, so IDNs have, are facing, right now, they're facing the same challenges that they have for a couple of years. Um, and things have changed because of the pandemic, obviously, and they're still feeling the effects of it. What are some of the challenges that they're facing and how are they dealing with those challenges? So health systems, IDNs, are the primary issue that was introduced by the pandemic staff challenges, cost overruns. And the reason why is many patients in oncology, dermatology were delaying treatment because of staff shortages and just because of the, of the lockdown. And now there's such an influx of, of patients coming back to get much needed delayed treatment, it's overtaxing the, the healthcare system. And you, health systems in every state, or they, they come in many different shapes and forms, large, small, um, level, different levels of complexity. And it, as, as the term goes, if you've seen one IDN, you've seen one IDN. They behave differently, requiring different communication, different media, omnichannel approaches. Yeah, and I think too, um, you know, with what Chris said about um, more patients but less staff, that um, IDNs and health systems in general uh, have been a lot stricter when it comes to uh, being called on. So having you know a representative or an account manager coming into their facility because they're short-staffed and they're busy. Um, so as Chris m mentioned, the the omni-channel is definitely something that is much more important uh, for our clients to consider and to really think about uh, when they're engaging with IDNs. So how does that affect your content strategy? Because it must affect the content strategy, right? Yeah, it definitely does. I mean, you have to think about how do these systems behave? How do we segment them? You also have to carefully consider what stakeholders you're talking to. Because it, it isn't just physicians and HCPs, and it isn't just HCPs and nurses. Quality directors, population health directors, of course, pharmacy directors, they all have different needs and require different, different messaging. And it's not always about product, it's about patient services, it's about other offerings that a biopharma manufacturer can bring to bear. So um, every system has, but if we segment carefully, we can replicate and provide similar services by segment. So you used, uh, used a great 
um, a great phrase, omni-channel marketing, mm -hmm. which you know is a very hot topic right now. How do you use omni-channel uh, omni marketing to solve some of these issues? Yeah, I um, when you really think about, as, as Chris mentioned, there are numerous job titles within uh, a health system, IDN. Um, he mentioned a few. So if you think about, let's say, um, a pharmacy director, um, you know, they probably go to different places um, to, to gain their um, information than, let's say, a payer does or an HCP does. Um, so again, as Chris said, like really segmenting those, you know, who, who is it really important to talk to within that IDN? Um, and what do they want you to talk about? Mm -hmm. uh, so for instance, a pharmacy director is going to be really concerned about their budget. Um, so, you know, giving them messages around, let's say, total cost of care um, or something like that is going to be really important for them. But on, you know, let's say the HCP side or the payer side, those concerns and what they really want to understand is different. Mm -hmm. So not only do we need to um, really segment how they get their information from an omnichannel approach, whether it's uh, emails or banners, um, what conventions do they go to, things like that, but also the messages themselves need to be segmented, um, you know, by usually by job title. So are, are there any examples that you can cite of, you know, certain types of uh, segments that, you know, email works best? Um, you know, we're finding, believe it or not, that TikTok is working well mm -hmm. on something like that. Are there any examples you can share? Yeah, so we um, recently um, completed at the beginning of the year a, um, a payer um, survey that we did, and it basically showed, which was a little surprising to us, that payers actually will go to manufacturers' websites now. Before, you know, they were like, I'm not going to go to manufacturers, but I don't believe what they say. Um, and now, uh, whether it's because of the pandemic or um, these, maybe these websites are getting better <laughs> with, with, you know, information that these payers want to see, um, they are going proactively to, um, to a manufacturer's website. And what that means to our clients is that you need to make sure that your payer messaging is someplace on that website. So not just, you know, clinical HCP, but, you know, can you add in value information that a payer is really going to care about? You know, one interesting point about omnichannel, let's talk about the manufacturer for a second, right. is typically omnichannel is not just executed by the home office, it's executed by the field. They have control through their, their CRM system of emails and other tactics that are, are executed. But the challenge is most field forces don't understand the strategy and they're not continuously executing with a regular cadence. And that makes it fragmented and the messages are not getting to your, their different customer types in the right time. And field reps can't rely, um, since the pandemic, they can't rely on in, like person to person communication to get the message across, right? Well, since at this point, since we're typically out, we're out of the pandemic, I think in health systems, we're seeing about a 60-40, 70-40 split between in-person and non-personal uh, channels. So it was 90 non-personal, non 10 about a year ago. But I think at this point, it's a, we have to take the field to the next level with better training and better understanding of strategy. Do you, do you have anything? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think also um, training, understanding the strategy, and then what these different customers within the IDN care about. 
um, because, for instance, we'll create a, a value proposition deck uh, for our clients um, that is really geared towards, let's say, IDNs. But a few pages in there um, is going to be really information that a payer is going to want to hear, and it, there's also information of what a pharmacist wants to hear. So having one resource, but also you know, shifting your messaging um, from an account manager standpoint um, to you know, individualize what your customers care about, that is really what we're trying to do when we um, segment also. So you raised a really interesting point about um, the importance of manufacturers' websites having, mm -hmm. having appropriate information. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Um, are there specific examples or ways to make sure that, like tactically, just ways to make sure that the manufacturers know that they're addressing this? Yeah, I think that um, we are shifting a little bit from uh, when you usually go to a, a manufacturer website, it's like click here if you're an HCP, click here if you're a patient. Um, but where's the click here if you're a payer or mm. you know, you know, another population health uh, decision maker? Um, and I think that really focusing on um, all of those different um, job titles is going to be incredibly important for our manufacturers to do. Um, and then again, like segmenting, you know, I mean, click this button and we're going to show you information that you care about. Um, click this other button and, you know, your colleague is going to see information that, that they care about. Uh, I think, you know, the you know, day and age of, of TikTok, um, people definitely want to have their information almost handed to them in a, like a snippet. Um, and they're not gonna sit there and scroll and scroll and scroll and try to find something that they you know, want to consume. Um, they kind of want it handed to them. Um, and our manufacturers can definitely you know, look at their websites and say, okay, if I'm a payer, what do I care about? And is it easy to find here? And it's interesting. If you look at the different sizes of biopharma companies, the emerging companies are really struggling. Because if you want to execute omnichannel properly, it takes a lot of financial resources, where big pharma can handle that. So from our experience here at Cineos, the smaller manufacturers are being very selective about which channels they really spend their money on. So they can, uh, they can get to their prioritized audiences appropriately. So one word that I've heard a lot um, during this conversation is segmenting. Um, What's, what's the importance of segmenting? It seems like a very obvious question, but you must have specific examples of that. Absolutely. I mean, I think if you take an example of Geisinger Health System or UPMC in Pennsylvania compared to an NYU in New York City, you're going to have different de patient demographics. You're going to have different patient and provider needs based upon their surrounding ecosystem in that area. So a specific example would be patient support programs, um, multicultural messaging, multicultural mm -hmm. materials, exactly. And if you're in a rural area, is it as important as if you're in an urban area? Maybe not so much. So something to consider. Sarah? Yeah, and I, um, to build on that, not only is it kind of giving your customer and you know, their patients, what they need, but it's also potentially saving the company money. Mm -hmm. um, so instead of 
um, having you know one tactic for all IDNs across the country, you're segmenting. Okay, we need this tactic here because this is what they care about. We need this tactic here. Um, you know, we only have to print X amount of you know these brochures in Spanish and and make sure that they're available in this um, area as opposed to like you know blanketing the whole country. Um, so not only is it giving um, your customers what what they really want, um, but it could potentially be saving you money also. What are Cineos's capabilities for uh, for omni-channel? We can look at it in from multiple different ways, Steve. We can look at pure face-to-face -face promotion, which we have the largest contract sales organization or commercial organization in the world, where we deploy all types of customer-facing teams. Then we have our communications business units, which focus on the omni-channel and digital engagement. And then in consulting, where we build strategy for our other divisions of Cineos to then build the tactics and execute. So that's how we come to mark. We come together and come go to market within Cineos Health. Sarah, from your perspective, what's what are Cineos's strengths with Omnichannel? Yeah, I mean, building on what Chris said, I think that um, for whether it's a large pharma company, a small biotech. Uh, it is nice to have a company like Cineos where you can come and say, hey, this is like what I need. And we're like, yep, we can help you with that. Whether, again, it's from a messaging standpoint, a segmentation standpoint, um, a deployment solutions standpoint. Um, and we all work together very well. We all know each other and we work together very well. So it's a lot more seamless um, for our customers who need, um, you know, multiple uh, areas, um, you know, of, of our help. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a lot easier for them. Seamless is good. Yeah, it is good. That's what they want. That's what customers want. They want a frictionless experience. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Great. Are you in sales? I used to, I was a rep 30 years ago. So what I've found in doing this, I do, you know, do this a lot. Um, salespeople are, if they're not really good at explaining it, they're in big trouble. Mm -hmm. But the most cogent answers that I get and the most succinct answers that I get are for people from people with sales backgrounds. So that's what that's, that's why I asked. Gotta be so, succinct. Yep. <laughs> so a big part of omni-channel marketing is the field rep, right? How has the life of a field rep changed and how, uh, you know, how is their deployment different than it was a few years ago? Um, have some, some good thoughts on that. Access has decreased significantly over the past few years due to the M&A &A situation with health systems. They're acquiring hosp more hospitals, they're acquiring more group practices. Today, 70% of hospitals and practices are owned by health systems. So representatives have to be at the next level compared to where they were 10 years ago. They have to be well-versed in omnichannel now with more specialty and rare disease, you have to have advanced degrees these days to, to appropriately sell nurses, pharmacists, um, to, to really be able to deliver the complex messaging that's required and have those medical clinical conversations with customers. Sarah, what's your view on that? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think, you know, Chris really um, is talking more on like the, the rep side. Mm -hmm. um, we do a lot of our work um, with on the payer side. So account managers are calling on you know these payers within the health systems, outside the health systems. Um, and I agree. I mean it's this the same thought um, is is there, you know, with account managers, which is, hey, you have to understand what your customers value and what they're looking, what information they're looking for from you. Because they could also just go out and 
Google a PI um, and they don't need to talk to you. So you do have to come in with value. Right. Um, and whether that's from a clinical standpoint, whether it's from an economic standpoint, a value standpoint. Um, so just like with sales reps, I think uh, as far as account managers go, they really need to you know, up their game for sure in this day and age. And you know, account managers, key account managers, account executives, whatever we're calling them this week, um, have to be equipped with the right tools. Yeah. It's not just messaging. As I said before, they have to have, you know, cost of care calculators, mm -hmm. you know, in rare disease to talk about, you know, if you're not diagnosing these patients, what's the cost of the healthcare system, mm -hmm. right? So it's not, it's not just training and capabilities, it's tools, resources, and putting that all together in a cohesive package so that when an account manager is interfacing with the different roles within a health system, they come off professional, seamless, and equipped. Chris, Sarah, this has been a really interesting talk. Good luck, uh, good luck with your talk on the, on the larger stage. Uh, if it goes half as well as this did, um, you'll have the meeting out of your hand. <laughs> Thanks very much. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Appreciate Steve. it.